This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Listeners, we have been discussing questions about baptism and child dedication, and today we're going to go a little bit on the sketchy side. Sketchy, okay, yeah. all right. How young is too young? Sketchy for a child to be baptized? So it's a trick question because there's not really a good answer, right? There's not a definitive answer, I don't think. I'll give you my objective answer mm-hmm. and then my practice. Yeah. And then you can maybe... Disagree? Agree? Yeah. All right, here's the objective Challenge? answer. Okay. The moment a kid trusts in Christ, baptize him. I'm a little nervous with that. I'm not saying in practice. I'm saying in principle. In principle. If you believe, you should be able to be baptized. Now, my practice is not that. Now, you're probably like, Michael, yeah. why is your practice contradict your principle? And I would even take that a step further and say I wouldn't be comfortable even with an adult that they accept Christ and then baptize them Correct. immediately. There's some theology. There's some basic understanding of the gospel that has to be sure and assured of before the baptism. You could go to a bunch of churches right now, and they have, uh, if you believe, come forward, get baptized. They'll have pools, of, you know, already tubs. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that that is sinful or wrong or anything of the sorts. But, Agreed. But, 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 there's a big but here. But it makes me nervous. This is what I see as one massive cultural difference between what it meant to be baptized in the first century versus what it means to be baptized now. Yes. So in the first century, if you were to be baptized— you understood the weight of what you were committing to. It was like an entrance into the faith, if you would. The baptism didn't save you, no. but you knew that this public act was rebelling against Rome. Yes. You knew that it was a commitment to a brand new authority in your life. It was a yeah. commitment to a brand new lifestyle. There wasn't this possibility that I was going to become a Christian and then I could just keep living my lifestyle. Yeah. You knew the demand on you. It actually put a mark on you, right? Yes. Baptism in the early church in the in the first couple of centuries was just the same as the signers of the Declaration of Independence. When you signed that document, you were saying to England, you are no longer my authority. That's good. I'm going to preach on you that. You are no longer my authority. My dedication and my devotion is to this new document, the document and the country that this document represents. Yep. And baptism in the first couple of centuries was the same thing. It was saying to everyone, Rome, your family, your society, my dedication now is to Jesus Christ. Which now, like you fast forward, 21st century America, the more normal Christianity is, the less the demands of coming to Christ. So you could just believe, right? Which is all that is required technically. But Jesus even says, count the cost. Yes. Nobody goes to war without counting the cost first. So before you follow me, count the cost. There's no count, there's no count cost counted, cost counted. (laughs) There's no cost counted right now, by and large, because there is no cost. Unless you're coming from a Muslim home, they count the cost. Mm -hmm. If a Muslim trusted in Christ, I'd be way quicker to baptize oh, them yes. than I would a cultural Christian, yeah. you know? You can, in theory, trust in Christ, get out of hell, have your sins forgiven, and then have no expectation that anybody will follow up with you, that there's yeah. a demand in your life, what needs to change. When somebody trusted in Christ in the first century, they probably had a list of like 30 things. They knew immediately, mm-hmm. if I'm going to come to Christ, these are gone. 
Like these are not going to be yeah. part of my life anymore. And there are going to be some relationships that you knew were probably going to end. And there's also possibility that you were going to go to jail within the month if you yeah. trusted. In, you knew the cost. And because there is no cost, it takes us a little bit more time to discern who is truly saved. But here's the question that I don't have a good answer for. Is it our job to determine who is really saved and not saved before we baptize? Is it our job? Well, Jesus says that we should be fruit inspectors, that we should be looking at their life and seeing mm -hmm. if the fruit of their life, their life choices, has not changed after they've trusted Christ. Correct. I agree, 100%. Now, does he connect that to baptism? Baptism. No. I think this is the modern Protestant American like disagreement on baptism is— some people just say it's not our job to worry about that. Mm -hmm, if they yeah. profess in Christ, their baptism will stand as a perpetual either sign of of their faith or a condemnation reminding them of their, of, lack, of. Of their lack of faith. Yeah. Which is why some, some larger churches especially, they put out the pools and anybody who trusts in Christ can get baptized. They don't feel a burden to preserve that person in the faith because yeah. that's God's job. I think on our end, I just functionally, like I'm not going to like die on this yeah. hill, but functionally, when you and I stand with somebody at Village Church and we baptize them, our church expects that we have vetted their faith We've vetted, out. yes, and we feel we have seen evidence of that salvation. Correct. Now, I'll throw this one at you, just put you on the spot. Oh, no. Okay. You and I both have been faced with individuals who said, I want to be baptized. Yep. And I have trusted I Jesus. Wait. Right? And, <laughs> and they say, I want to be baptized. I've trusted Jesus as my savior. And they're fairly new to village church, or we just haven't seen, uh, been around them long enough to know, is there really faith there? Or is there something going on that mm, may be culturally, uh, they're wanting to uh, adapt into our culture without understanding what that means? And you've told them no. What have you seen? Almost every time that I tell someone no, they walk away from the faith. And they won't walk away from their, oh, I believe, but they walk away from the church. Now, yep. By the way, they don't walk away from the church after I say no to them. Their walking away has no connection to our discussion. Usually my discussion is, hey, let's give it six months. Yeah, let's, let's just see how things go. Right. Let's get into things. It's not like a, I don't know if you're really saved or not. You know, yep. like, I don't, that's not... That's not the discussion I have with them. We yeah. just say, hey, our practice is usually we just kind of sit on it for a little bit yeah. and want to see if this is the right church for you, et cetera. You know, I just, whatever. But the the point is, almost every time my gut says something isn't right here, it isn't. It isn't right. Now, I want to be very clear, though, with younger kids, third, fourth, fifth grade, usually I ask them to wait. This is my practice personally, like till they're in fifth grade. That gives them some more time to kind of think through it. Here's my actual challenge. I find that most girls by fifth, sixth, seventh grade are able to articulate their mature. faith clearly. Yep. And most boys are not able to really commit to the Lord until 10th, 11th, or 12th grade. Michael, you're a sexist. I know. But being a youth pastor, uh, something happened with almost every boy that I ever worked with. About 11th grade was usually the average. They would like – something actually helped happen developmentally mm -hmm. in their brain and, and developmental psychology actually starts showing us why. They move clearly out of the – they're just able to understand hypocrisy a lot better. Yeah. Let me just say that, yeah. right? Uh, they get convicted of sin, all this other stuff. They give their life to the Lord and it's genuine. That same thing seems to happen with, with young girls in junior high. 
again, developmental psychology tells us that young girls do actually develop intellectually in, in, in their brain. They're processing in different ways than men do at younger ages. And and I find that a young woman's ability to process their faith is much more clearer at a younger age. If I actually had my way, which I would never do, I'd, I'd make m- most boys wait till high school. Except my kid. I would baptize him right away because this is genuine and sincere. No, but that's just more anecdotally. But that's because when we put somebody in front of our church, there is an – we know this. I don't know I don't know why it's like this at our church. It just is. They expect that this person is actually saved. And yeah. they expect that they're going to walk in the realities of their baptism. Mm-hmm. And we've had a handful of people get baptized and they walked away from, from the faith. They walked away from the church. They walked away from a bunch of things. It actually was really just discouraging for the church, you know? So at Village, I think our practice is we just try to really confirm that they're really true believers. And again, if if someone wants to get baptized around fifth grade, that's when I usually am like, all right, let's start doing that. Yeah, and fourth, fifth grade, depending on a lot of different things, depending on how mature they are, their behavior, their choices, what their parents say, uh, I'm not real comfortable before then. I I don't want to put an age on it. I know that we have a kind of a category or, or an age group that we feel comfortable with. But how soon is too soon or how young is too young? To me, that baptism is a significant milestone in a person's faith journey. Absolutely. They should be old enough to remember it. My son was about six. He was first grade when he got baptized, which I felt was very, very too young. I thought Mm -hmm. it was way too young. But he was so adamant on the gospel and he he was so ready. And to this day, he remembers that. And he remembers the significance of when we ask him, what brought you to the point where you felt you needed to be baptized at this age? And he can tell the story, and it's his his story to tell, but he gave such great clarity of why he needed to be baptized. And I was like, gee, I I have adults that can't communicate this this clearly. It was uncomfortable for me to baptize him so, so early. But he seemed so ready and every evidence, you know, of course, he had a dad that would make sure that he obeyed. <laughs> you will follow. Uh, you will follow the Lord. You will obey <laughs> God's word. Jesus, you will do it. <laughs> and that's where I'm a little more flexible on age, but I wasn't real comfortable at six. But he had the right words. He had the right vocabulary. He had the right reasons. Yep. And I have adults that can't communicate that clearly. Yep. It, you know, can I just— like yeah. observation, I find that uh, the vast majority of adults that we have, and we ask them to share the gospel, cannot can't. do it. They cannot do it. And but actually, kids seem to be yes. able to do it so much better. Often, actually, I've looked at the training. You know, we go through in our members class. Nope. We talk about here's what the gospel is. Here's how you share it. We practice it. And um, I, I mean, I had personally done the class, uh, taught the class to many, many adults in our mm-hmm. church, and. We get into it, and they couldn't write the gospel. They couldn't say the gospel. Yeah. If you asked them if they believed it, they would say yes. yes. But even though we would make it almost a formula, saying the gospel <laughs> equals this, this, and this, this, and, this. And, this. and then I'd say, "What's the gospel?" They would say, "The Bible." I'm like, "No." It is actually an unbelievably surprising challenge that yeah. we've encountered. And some people tell me, like, "Why do you like preach the gospel in every single sermon?" I'm like, "Because honestly, most people can't do it. I'm just trying to model for them." Yeah, here's the simple gospel message. Yeah, that's unique about village churches that we clearly articulate the gospel over and over and over again. And I support your rationale for this is because people get confused. They do. You know, they yep. will agree when it's explained, yes. when it's shared, but for them to go with a blank sheet of paper, explain the gospel to me as if I don't know what it is. Tell me how a person comes from 
not trusting Jesus to trusting Jesus. How do I get there? Yep. What do I need to do? What are yep. the steps? All my kids will say, you have to believe. Like we do little quizzes yeah. with them, you know? And uh, well, what do you have to believe? And they can tell you all they the can things. Tell you. But then I look at a 45 year old and they're like, mm, and they've been in church for years. Yeah. They've been in all the class. I've literally done one-on-one yeah. -on -one training. Yep. But here, let's get a big picture in here. How young is too young to be baptized? Here's what I want. I need to be able to say no to somebody. Yes. I need to be able to say yes. I need to be able to say not yet. Yep. And I do appreciate when I say no to some people and they're like, one kid said to me, you're causing me to disobey God. <laughs> and I was like, I had one that did something like that. Yeah. I was like, that was good. Yeah. And I said, well, thankfully you're not saved, you know, like based on whether you get baptized, you know? Uh -huh. So, but I appreciated that. And actually that gave me a lot more incentive yeah. to fast forward the process. Yep. But I need the freedom to say, I'm not comfortable because I'm responsible for what we do in terms of uh, like, if I'm going to baptize somebody, I just want to, I want to, I want to stand before the Lord in good conscience. Yep. So where I'm at in the, in the state of our church is, is we need to have some level of confidence that they truly understand the gospel. They can articulate it and their mm -hmm. salvation is real. And some people will say, well, if you make me wait, are you just saying you don't think my salvation is real? I'm like, no, no not no, at no. all. Actually, like. I just need some time, you know, like I don't want to just have anybody come to the doors and say, let's baptize them, you know, like yep. some churches can do that. I don't have an issue with that. I want to be a little more patient with it. It's not a moral issue here. It's not here. a moral issue. It's just kind of how we do it. But you and I both have the same practice and it's a practice at Village Church. Before we marry anyone, we want them to go through premarital counseling. We yep. want to get to know them. We want to know, are they ready to make this big decision in their life? And the same is true for baptism. We need to know them long enough to know that they understand it, they understand the commitment, they yep. understand the gospel, that there is fruit from their salvation, that there is a life that wants to honor the Lord. And there is a pattern here, not a perfection, but a pattern of growing in the Lord, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen on that. Well, it's good to be on the same page, man. Yeah. We got to fight about something else then. Well, yeah. Well, what? Maybe we should do another question. And this one <laughs> might be a little interesting here. Yeah. So our question for next time, listeners, is where is the line between turning the other cheek and being a doormat? Ooh. Great question. We duke it out then. Punch, punch, wham, wham. There's no count. There's no count. Co cost counted. Cost counted. <laughs> <laughs>